Hello and welcome once again to Fresh Encounter Church. As we approach Christmas now late in December, Pastor Chris Danielson is going to take us to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The title of the message is The Forgotten Hero of the Christmas Story. Chris points to a person in the nativity that is largely forgotten, not thought about much, yet what we do know about that person in the scriptures really points us to the true meaning of Christmas. So again, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, the forgotten hero of Christmas. Here's Pastor Chris Danielson. Well, today's message is entitled, The Forgotten Hero of Christmas. And during this message, I want you to ask yourself about your assignment. You say, what are you talking about? Yeah, if you know Jesus, you have an assignment. All of us get one. And what is yours? And what are you doing to fulfill it? That's what I want to talk about. Because there is a, a dude who's just forgotten about in the Christmas uh, to-do, even though he's right there in front of us all the time. Every year during this season, we hear much about the various characters. You know, who, Mary, she's out front, right? The shepherds, the wise men, who didn't even show up for about 18 months, by the way. Even sheep, donkeys, turtle doves are portrayed, and the event is reenacted year after year. And I mean, I can just skip the mention of all the modern additions we've made to the Christmas story. Some are fun, some have a cool history attached, and some are even more real to children than Jesus himself. But let's just for today stick with the basic nativity scene and the Bible story as told to us in the Gospels. And in the nativity scene, there is a guy who can really, really, really show us some incredible character and conduct and should inspire God's children every Christmas season. But most of the time, this dude is just backdrop. I'm talking about a guy named Joseph. And he gets treated merely like an extra. He shows up in the Christmas program, so, you know, but he brings no gifts. He sings no songs. He makes no speeches. He just stands there in his sandals and robe, watching the scene unfold around him. I mean, he, think of like, he's like a modern-day dad at a baby shower, just standing there with a diaper bag. You know, that's Joseph. Well, today I want to set the record straight. As I read the Christmas story, I'm convinced Joseph possessed certain elements in his life that make him stand out oftentimes as the forgotten hero of the Christmas story. The characteristics we see straight up in this man's life teach us how we should go about the business of serving God. So let's look in on this scene from Joseph's life. Let's see what it is that makes this man stand out as a hero in this story. By the way, those elements that were active in the lives of Joseph can make us useful to the Lord too, if they are found in our lives. And that's what we're gonna get into this morning. So let's go to the text. Why don't you stand for the reading of God's word today? We're in Matthew chapter one. We're in chapter one, verses 18 through 25. And I read in Jesus' name. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Be seated, please. I hope you see it. This is so awesome. I just, I, I just can't wait to break it down for you today, but I hope you already saw it. Let's start with point number one. It's in verses 18 and 19. It's Joseph's character. Joseph's character. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. Other translations say a just man. This means that he was a man who lived for God. As far as the law was concerned, Joseph was blameless. As far as his heart was concerned, he walked by faith in the Lord. He was a righteous man. And this shows up in the Gospels. It also shows how compassionate he was. For just a moment, try to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a minute. You're engaged to marry, which is the same as legal marriage in those days, except there is to be no physical intimacy. All of a sudden, you discover that this woman is pregnant course, you're going to think the worst. Yet when Joseph hears all these things, instead of reacting in anger, he responds in love and compassion toward Mary. Now, I have a hard time visualizing how painful this was and would have been. And I have to truly ask myself, would it be possible for me to respond this way? Without the Lord, I don't think I could. It's not the normal way. This is, I dare to say it to you, this is a supernatural response, especially when you find out what Joseph actually was saying here. When I look back on the major hurts, the times when I did not respond biblically compassionate, it was always the moving of the Holy Spirit in my heart to do so biblically and appropriately at just the right time. Every time I've responded correctly, I have to give credit to God. I wish I could say I respond this way every time, but I don't. But that's called sanctification. That's called growing in the Lord. See, Joseph seeks a way to sever their relationship without publicly humiliating Mary. Now, don't miss this. This is not just embarrassment, all right? This is a life-altering humiliation that would have ruined Mary as a person for that time in that culture. This is not an unwed mother in the 60s and 70s in our culture, which isn't even a big deal anymore, right? It's not even close to what America has offered in her 250 years. See, what he could have done, you can look it up in Deuteronomy 22 later, the law afforded Joseph the opportunity to put Mary to death. And at the least, a public divorce would have left her destitute financially. Because of the baby, no man would have wanted to marry her. He could have condemned her not only to death, but maybe to a life of absolute destitution. And why would a man do that back in that day? Because it was the only way for him to live without shame. That would have restored him 
Because what was going down right now was a whole lot of shame on Joseph. And he thought of Mary first. Joseph just wanted to do what was right by Mary. This guy with the righteousness he had loved her so much he didn't want any harm to come to her. This also meant he would now have to carry some heavy shame no matter what. Imagine how the Christmas story would have been altered had Joseph reacted differently. By the way, how we respond to a crisis reveals a lot about our character. When things are going smoothly, we're able to hide a lot of things that become evident in a time of crisis. These two truths concerning Joseph's character, his righteousness and his compassion, is a lesson for all those who really want to be used by God. And everyone who is saved by Jesus, guess what comes with it? A desire to be used by God. It's non-negotiable. You see, God uses those who are tender-hearted, and we become tender-hearted when the Holy Spirit breaks through and makes us that way. Of course, these were traits found in the Lord Jesus himself, right? Jesus was God, but as a boy, I believe he saw godly behavior modeled by his surrogate father, Joseph. And I believe this text points that out. Let's go on to point number two, verses 20 through 23. We get to see Joseph's mission. We get to see Joseph's assignment. As Joseph processed the entire situation he found himself in, the Lord spoke to him and placed a mission on his life, like he had done with Mary. Mary got a mission, did she not? So did Joseph. This call to service was, spiritually speaking, simply incredible and one that would have honored any man. However, from a purely human standpoint, this assignment placed a great weight on Joseph's shoulders. And it was also a call to bear great shame. Yes, Mary and Joseph would always carry great shame in their culture with all of this. Do you ever think about that? See, his mission, his assignment had three elements. I'm going to put them up on the board for you. He had A, the reality of a person. He had B, the revealing of a purpose. And he had C, the announcement of a plan. God announces a plan. Let's start with A first, the reality of a person. See, the Lord's mission and communication to Joseph was designed to help him deal with his hurts and fears. The angel of the Lord told him plainly that this child growing in Mary's womb was the son of God. The Lord was calling Joseph to be a surrogate father to the Messiah. If that doesn't wake you up in the morning and give you chills, I don't know what will. Once he gets his head around this fact, the hurt that subsided would probably be turned to fear, yeah? Like, wow, what a responsibility. Then there's the revealing of the purpose. In, this, in the verse 21, we're told that the child's gender we're told that the child would have a name. We're told that the child would have a purpose in this life. Joseph is told that this child will be the one that will provide salvation from sin. This new purpose would definitely alter the entire world of Joseph for the rest of his natural life. So little is given in scripture about the rest of the life of Joseph. But there are tons of speculation about many things about him and how his life has played out, how old he was when this went down, how long was he in the picture, how did he die, etc., etc. Nobody knows. There's no record, so all we can do is speculate. But when I gather, when I gather from Scripture, as I add it all together and try to tie it in a nice little bow, here's what I come up with. I believe Joseph probably, and I say probably, had passed on prior to Jesus 
reading from the book of Isaiah in Nazareth and the synagogue there and probably from turning the water into wine at Cana when he started his ministry. There are some other scriptures that may tell tell us otherwise. You'll see in a few minutes, but it's safe to say the Joseph narrative is not in the forefront going forward. Think about it now. When Jesus starts his work, when his time arrives, his focus is so much on our heavenly father that Joseph as the surrogate earthly father figure may confuse the issue for some. So parts of Joseph's purpose, think about this now, Joseph's purpose is to be used incredibly by God. It is one of the most immense settings for dads in all of history. And then to be in the background and possibly even removed prior to the main act unfolding. When the true divinity of Jesus gets put on display for the world to see. But that is what true servanthood is. Joseph is again a portrait of what true servanthood is. No wonder we seem to miss Joseph when the Christmas season hits. Working God's plan sometimes doesn't work out like the blessings we imagine. When we visualize what our blessings are going to be, when we accept our mission, when we accept our assignment, sometimes it doesn't turn out like the way you visualize it to be. Think about Joseph the next time you get discouraged while faithfully doing the mission God has placed in your path and in your heart. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're out doing without question, without question what God has purposed for you to do and people hurt you or you get sick or someone dies or you go broke or someone you thought was sold out to Jesus is actually acting like a devil. Remember, God's ways are higher than our ways by everything. And I know about the culture at this time, Joseph was more than happy to simply roll with the Lord with how he laid out his purpose. Take that from the scriptures. Look at it yourself and see it. It's there. Next, let's talk about the plan. God announces a plan in verses 22 and 23. Then Joseph is told that God is working out his eternal purposes in the lives of Mary and Joseph. God is going to bring to pass all the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And he's going to use Joseph to be a part of it. Think about it, Fresh Encounter. God is going to work out a lot of purposes for somebody to be with Jesus for eternity. And they're not right now. And you get to be a part of it. That's pretty cool. See, in all of this, Joseph is an example to other believers. When a crisis arose in his life, he sought the Lord's face. Instead of reacting harshly and abruptly, Joseph reacted in faith, waiting on the Lord for guidance and direction. And he was helped then by God. Joseph's call, if you want to say that way, Joseph's call is an encouragement to people like you and me. When we consider Joseph as this humble character and that he was basically a nobody, it gives me hope. How about you? In my opinion, to be called to be part of God's plan plan and anything is just beyond anything I can comprehend. And it is an honor shared by every child of God. That is the tie that binds us together as authentic Christians. When I say link arms with authentic Christians, this is what I'm talking about. Don't say, well, I'm not qualified. Guess what? Neither am I. But I know what obedience looks like, and so do you. Let's look at Paul's assessment of the call to an assignment, call to mission for each of you authentic believers that are listening today. 
It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. It says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus Verse 15, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. If I had the mic, I would drop it right now. Let's go to point number three. Verses 24 and 25, we talk about Joseph's behavior. Joseph's behavior. When Joseph received his mission from God, he altered all of his plans. He would have had to. And he put away all of his considerations. And he simply went and did what the Lord said to do. Notice what the Bible says about Joseph's behavior. First, he was submissive. Very simply, Joseph did what the Lord told him to do. How quickly are we submissive like that? When the Lord makes clear something very plain, how firm are you in submitting to him? Where do we struggle? Let me mention a couple of you. Just for discussion, let me just mention a few. Are you quick to obey when God pokes your ego? Hmm... Uh, If I was to serve that way, that might be beneath me. Our flesh subconscious will tell us. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Or how about pray for that person who hurt you? What? What prayer do you want, Lord? Uh, get (laughs) them. No, he wants us to offer mercy and understanding. Why? Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's a whole other message for another day. What about when God pokes you in your pocketbook? <gasps> Tells you to give more to the church, give more to outreach, give more to missions. Instead of the divine tip you're leaving in the offering box. <gasps> Ooh, that's harsh. No. If you want Jesus to be real and authentic in your life, expect to be poked in your treasure. Expect it. This holiday time is a great time to address all of these issues. It's such a time of potential life enhancements. It's all around us during the holidays, yes? I mean, think New Year's resolutions. Fresh start coming up. It's all part of that holiday Christmas spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit calling you to a mission or activity or compassion or to generosity or any other simple thing, simply do it. Obey as best as you can, as quickly as you can. Let this holiday season turn you from some things. Maybe somewhere there is a person. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're watching online. And you need to go back and correct some things. Some things that you totally stepped in in 2023. Or 
Maybe someone listening right now needs to do a very specific thing to mend a relationship. Or maybe somebody here knows they've been prompted to do something they just don't want to do, but you need to do it. Well, do it. Find a way when the hearts of men and women are softened by the spirit of Christmas. We know this to be true. Christmas spirit is a real thing. And no, it's not to make Santa's sleigh fly. The true Christmas spirit is found in Joseph and in his behavior. Let's also consider his humility for a minute in greater detail. According to history, there are three theories surrounding Mary's pregnancy. They are A, the baby was Joseph's. B, the baby belonged to Mary's secret lover. Or C, Mary had been raped by a Roman soldier. Any of these situations would have produced a circumstance that would bring both shame on Mary and Joseph incredibly. Yet when Joseph went ahead and married Mary, most people assumed that she and Joseph had not been willing to wait until the appropriate time to consummate their marriage. And of course, there were some in that day who continued to call Jesus' birth into question throughout his ministry. They walked with this shame most of their life. Let's look at a scripture verse that justifies that. John 6, 42. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? John 8, 37 and 42. People don't want to accept that this is the son of God. Yes, I realize that some of you are descendants of Abraham, and yet you are... I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. This is Jesus talking, by the way. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we are not illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. When you see that nativity scene, understand that the stepfather and the mother in that picture walked their whole life with shame. Most people saying that they didn't wait until their marriage. Do you see it on the other side? Do you see how even though they had all this shame, the life of Joseph and all of this stuff, that that still also went on to Joseph's adopted son? And he despised the shame, the scripture says, because of the joy that was set before him. Jesus endured the cross And his stepdad would endure his fair shame as well. His fair share of shame as well. This is why Joseph is a lesson for every person who wants to serve the Lord in dark times. Our duty before the Lord is to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and then do our assignment. That's what we're supposed to do. I want two scriptures. Quick scriptures to illustrate, and we're bringing it home. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. And for many, many authentic Christians, that's going to be on Judgment Day. That's going to be in the New Jerusalem. Because trust me, honor in this life, 
It ain't all that. It's what it's supposed to be. But when Jesus lifts you up and honors you, that's an incredible thing. James 4, 6 says this, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Regardless of the mission and the assignment that God places on, their, on our lives, there will be times when the world, the flesh, and the devil will try to make us ashamed of who we are and what we stand for. Yet we should submit ourselves to the will of God and bear it regardless of what's involved. Just think about it for a second, about his obedience. It's so cool when you think about it. Without quibbling, without hesitation, Joseph did exactly what he had been commanded to do. What a lesson for every one of us that wants to walk with Jesus. Often the voice of God will come to us and we will debate with God and with ourselves and hesitate instead of responding in sure obedience. Let us learn the truth that obedience to the Lord is far more blessed than anything else we can do for him. Anything else you can do for him. Obedience is more blessed. One more scripture just to justify that statement is found in 1 Samuel 15. And it kind of comes out of our David series. Verses 22 through 23, it says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice, or your obedience to his voice? Big question mark. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. That's Samuel talking to Saul in 1 Samuel 15. See, obedience is what he desires and is one thing we can always deliver. I believe that's why, as parents, God gives us disobedient children. God says, see, Verse 25 tells us about his surrender that Joseph was a man who was willing to place the will of the Lord ahead of his own rights. He respected Mary's virginity until after Jesus was born. Look, even when it was inconvenient, Joseph willingly laid down his own rights so that he could just honor the Lord. What an example for you and me this holiday season. There are times when doing God's will is not the easiest thing to do. There are times when doing his will and following his assignment is not the most convenient thing to do. However, doing his will and following his assignment is always the right thing to do. We must come to a place where we lose our will to the will of God. Let it be said that we are surrendered to the plan of God without reservation and without compromise. Eventually, Mary delivered her baby. And on that night, Joseph did exactly what he had been commanded to do. He took his creator in his arms and he called him the name Jesus. Now this year, Christmas plays and programs all around the world. Joseph will take a backseat to the shepherds, the wise men, the animals, and the other characters. However, to me, this man stands out as a legit hero of the Christmas story because of the lessons he teaches us about obedience and surrender to God. Let's take a less, the, the lessons from the life of Joseph and make sure we have these characteristics are found in us, not just during this Christmas time, but as they say in the movie, let's keep it all of the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for his obedience and his example to us. 
Lord, we are so grateful that you worked your way to us while we were yet sinners and you saved us in spite of ourselves. And Lord, now as we bind ourselves together for these dark times, some say we're in the end. And if that be the truth, then we need it even more. But let us link arms together and let us joyfully obey what you put before us, even if it sometimes doesn't make sense. We love you, Jesus. We love you, love you, love you. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson and thank you so much for spending some time with us today and may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.